You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey folks, In the Dome, a Calgary Flames fan podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, and they have contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs all the time. I mean, they're no Ken Holland. They're not handing out money for free. They're not going to give you $5.5 million for no reason whatsoever, but they do pay out a lot of money. Over the years, DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. So download the DraftKings app now and sign up using the code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. The code is THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast. Okay, on the slate today, making headways, we got some big news coming in the hockey world in the past 48 hours. We'll spend some time on it. We're also going to touch on the upcoming expansion draft, as well as looking back at past expansion drafts through the Flames lens, and then wrap things up with some top Players available through trade, via trade, and um, anything else that we can dive our juicy little teeth into. We're going to spend some time making fun of the Edmonton Oilers, as we always do. Oh, yes. Because, I mean, they're just they're just the gift that keeps on giving. Dude, Kenny Holland. That a boy, <laughs> Kenny. That a boy, Kenny. <laughs> All right, let's start with Pierre Maguire, though. How's your your breath? How's your breath, Phil? No, I mean, in terms of conditioning. How is this guy even like, okay, my question, I think your question, a lot of people's question is, how is this guy even involved in hockey just from a broadcasting perspective alone, let alone back in the game? It's funny, I didn't, um, my years of growing complete, my complete, I don't know if I can go so far as to say hatred for Pierre Maguire, but like annoyance to the nth degree. I've never been annoyed by anyone as quite as much as Pierre. Cassie Campbell sometimes takes me to that extreme just because she talks over the playoff game. But Pierre is a whole nother just level of annoyance. Um just Karski. Oh, Tokarski. The Ottawa Senators are going to trade like everything to get Dustin Tokarski. Oh, Tokarski robbed him. Oh, man. What, what was the one that he did with a rule? Uh, double the double Dion. Double Dion. The one to me that's the worst that has that ruined and tainted. Well, not it, it tainted one of the best hockey calls 
it can never taint the moment because the moment was absolutely incredible. If you're a Canadian hockey fan, Jordan Eberle scoring the game time goal against the Russians in the semifinal, I think it was in 2009 with like five seconds left and Gord Miller's on the call and good sundry boy, Gord Miller. He's call of a lifetime. Jordan Eberle scored Canada. Can you believe it? Crowd's going wild. And like, you're supposed to let that moment play. You're supposed to let the crowd take it away. It's like, can you believe it? You scored. I can believe it. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. John Tavares. John Tavares is an absolute animal, Lord. I'll tell you right now. It's like, ever since that moment, I've, I've hated Pierre Maguire. So the hate is real for you. Like <laughs> I said, I'm not sure if I can go so far as I hate him. Like I do like Eric Francis, but. Probably- no, I, don't, I don't hate him. He's just an annoyance. Probably the most annoying guy to listen to when you're trying to enjoy a hockey game. Absolutely. So, Especially when he's got this weird boner for like hating analytics. It's like he's always he, he always was talking. He's always talking about how there's no chart that can measure that. It's like he's talking about like Blake Coleman. It's like, oh, I don't care what his analytics are. He's a great player. It's like, yo, Pierre, his analytics are fantastic. Oh, you can't measure the what the Islanders do on paper. You can't measure that by analytics. It's like, yes, you can, and they're really good. <laughs> <Just> stupid. <laughs> oh, oh, as he's just like swallowing that churro or whatever it is. What's that famous picture of him? Is it a corn dog? It's like a foot long corn dog or, or like a big ass churro. I'm not sure what that is. What is a churro? Anyways, I don't know. I don't think I've ever. I honestly, I don't think I've ever had a churro. No, I don't even know what it is. But I'm I don't not. Know. Yeah. Pretty Anyways. pretty pretty weird hiring by the senators, to be honest. Like I just <laughs> was like, yo, what? That's that's kind of like hearing that um Chirelli is actually, you know. Yeah, being... but I mean Chirelli has at least been in hockey operations. This is like won a Stanley Cup, right? It's like Pierre hasn't been in, in the game since like the 90s, like early 90s. So right? what is his past? He used to be an assistant coach or something, or head coach. Well, was he, he was head coach. He was with the, the Whalers, right? Like Hartford way back in the day. I think he was with the Penguins at some point. Could I know imagine, he was with the Senators at some point, but like this is forever ago, man. Could you imagine a youthful Pierre, a youthful Pierre's exuberance? It'd be like, dude, would you shut the fuck up? He'd be like in the dressing room trying to like get the guys going and shit. Just like, the buzzer goes, they got to get out on the ice. He's still like just down the hallway. He's just, come on, Pierre. Just simmer down, bud. Yeah. I do not like him. I do I, not like him. I, I don't understand this at all from a senator's perspective. It's like, that's the guy you chose to like give your player development to. Like, this is what blows my mind. It's like, there's so many smart, intelligent, qualified people just like kicking around doing nothing. And then, you, yeah, we want that guy from NBC. <laughs> The guy that doesn't know when to shut up. It's very odd. It's funny because when he when he left TSN, Canadians across the board were just oh, what a overjoyed, relief. right? Relieved, overjoyed. And then it was funny. I saw a, a tweet from, I don't know who it was, saying, on behalf of all Americans, we thank the Ottawa Senators. We know how, <laughs> no longer have to listen to this guy on NBC. So... It's not just it's just not just us, us up in Canada. It's it's all over the world. Imagine Eric Francis in like a management role. Oh man. <laughs> okay, I, I don't. <laughs> Pierre isn't. Yeah, he is that bad, but he's not. But he is. But he's not. I mean, at least Pierre like knows his like hockey trivia. Like it, he should like host like a hockey trivia game 
instead of being like actively involved. It's like you're just watching a game. And again, I since he left TSN, I never I've I never see him on the broadcast. Like I never watch NBC. But it's at like, least Pierre is like a good guy. He like yeah, and he Francis. like he like it's knows trivia and shit at least, right? It's like some random ass skater from like the Flames will be skating by. It's like oh, I played this junior hockey back in Coquitlam with the BC boys. His father's his father's his grandfather his father before him. He's like a he's like a he's like the first five books of the Bible, but for like hockey lineage, it's it's insane. So at least give him that. All right, the other kind of coaching slash. I don't know, I guess, organizational hire that uh, the Stockton Heat had to f- had to obviously fill the head coaching role. Mitch Love. Okay. Let's get to the real juicy news. We talked about it on the last podcast. The excitement was growing with all the rumors about Duncan Keith potentially going to the Oilers. Not only did that happen, but the Oilers way overpaid. Literally, Kenny Holland pretty much got fleeced. Did he not? Like, I'm not even trying to dunk on the Oilers here, but like, this is the most nonsensical and worst trade I've seen since like Hall for Larson. And Hall for Larson even made a modicum of sense if you really, really got deep into the philosophy of it. This might be the worst trade I've ever seen in the past 10 years. Now, it would be one thing if. Duncan Keith was on close to a $1 million contract and you still had to send back what you, what you, what the other sent out. But no matter which way you slice us, man, this is like the ultimate risk. This guy's war, his wins above replacement numbers have been brutal for the past three seasons. Dude, it's he has a negative 18.9 goals above replacement over the last five years. He has been well below replacement for at least five years. Like, he is absolutely cooked. Now, could there be an argument made that the team around him, he was a victim of, you know, a weakened team play, and and that's kind of why his numbers dipped, or it's just, just like... Or did the team start to suck because he started to suck? That's the alternative hypothesis. I mean, across the board, you still you can still look at good players across the league that even if they're on bad teams, they can still put up good underlings, and this is just not the case. Yeah, he's been like he's been so bad for like five years, and I was trying to come up with a comparable like who's a guy. Who, who like was had played that bad for so many years and like turned it around and like there's literally like no one i saw somebody tweeted out rob blake is like the only guy when he got when he was traded from like san jose to or from the kings to san jose in like his last year he played pretty well after a few really bad years but it's like like the dude is absolutely cooked like what are you getting what are you getting and this is where it just like it blows my mind the f- they know they're not getting much on the ice, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've been asked about the analytics side of it. Holland is just sloughing it off. So like, yes, I know. I looked at the analytics. That's not why we were picking them up. So they are paying $5.5 million for experience and intangibles. Like, this is Holland's quote. He was asked about Keith's numbers, and he says, 
I don't know if this is a numbers decision. What I'm saying is I can't put a price on three Stanley Cups. Wow. That guy's running your team. So, so like, why don't you just pick up Wayne Gretzky then? <laughs> why don't you call in Kevin Lowe? Remember him? Oh, just I think, I, the, think I know the- a little bit about winning. I've won 48 Stanley Cups. Why don't you just get the, the boys back together? Hey, I mean, just, <laughs> just keep McDavid and Drysidle and then bring back Messier, Curry. Haven't they tried that too? McTavish. That's what they've Brian been doing Smith. the last 25 years. I guess, I guess they just bring him back up, up to the press box. Eh? Like, so I just, what are you getting on? You're not, you know, you're not getting anything on the ice. They've admitted that. And I mean, I heard Friedman saying today that this, his methodology was he was polling his players on Duncan Keith. He was asking his players about what they thought about Duncan Keith. And they said, yeah, he was tough to play against in the bubble. And that weighed heavily in his decision to acquire him. That's your methodology. You're asking Connor McDavid. Yo, like, should we go pay it? Like what? Like mind blowing. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I've never heard of that before. I mean, we talked about Troy Brower putting up good numbers in one playoff season with, with San Jose and how that turned out. Sorry, St. Louis and how that turned out. This is like not even a comparable. This is two years ago when his numbers suffered. Yet the Chicago Blackhawks made pretty short work of the Oilers in the qualifying round. Like you're going and, based off of the bubble? Yeah, that, that just seems like no, no matter which way you look at this, it's really hard to make sense of it. And it's funny because it's not, it's like, I would say almost a 95% of hockey fans in general, and even Oilers fans are kind of like really confused and a little fresh and Oilers fans are a little frustrated with this move as a whole. So you look at that aspect, he's like not bringing you anything on the ice. So you're paying him an absolute premium for intangibles and stuff like that. But then the other thing that just like, this is, I think what just blows my mind is like what the opportunity cost of Duncan Keith paying Duncan Keith, five and a half million dollars. Like what could you get with that money to play with Connor McDavid? You're telling me you want your, your allocation of resources top of your list was five and a half mil to Duncan Keith. Even if you put five and a half mil, like let's say, let's say they go out and sign Ryan Suter instead. Wouldn't you rather have that money be going to a player to play with McDavid? Like how far could that almost $6 million go to getting Connor McDavid a winger this off season? I'm telling you, I'd be a lot more concerned about having to play against Ryan Suter for the next three years. than I am about Duncan Keith. Like it just, it honestly blows my mind that like, it makes no sense. Like they don't, why would you need Duncan? You thought instead of a player to play on the wing with Connor McDavid or Leon Drysaddle, instead of going out and like signing Zach Hyman, you thought, Hey, let's go get Duncan Keith. It blows. It absolutely insane. It's got to be one of the most, like I give Brad shoe living shit for coming out and saying, yeah, goaltending is our priority last season. This pales in comparison to a team that has so many holes that need filling. Like, look at that roster. How long has Connor McDavid been playing with Zach Cassian? So many holes that needs filling. And, and the, the Duncan Keith? So the opportunity cost to me is like what you could be using that money for and what you could have 
the, the resources you traded away to get him, what you could have gotten for those too. Like you're telling me you couldn't get a decent player for Caleb Jones in a third conditional third, even. Yep. So then there's that aspect. And then there's the aspect of like, how could you not leverage this situation to pay way less? No salary retained. You didn't get them to take one of your bad contracts and you paid a third and a defenseman. Like, you had all the bargaining power because, as Elliot Freeman said, Keith wanted a trade. He wanted to be closer to his family. And, like, Edmonton was really the only team in it. That was it. Edmonton. That's it. He, like, you have all the leverage. You have every last ounce of leverage, and you didn't use it at all. It's just, I, it's, it's one of the oddest, it's probably the oddest trade I've ever seen in my life. It's just so insane. And it sounds like the original ask was that Chicago takes Koskinen, the contract, the player, and I think it was a fourth round pick, not even a third. And Holland got convinced down to keeping his bad contract and, and giving up a higher pick. Like, And that's the other thing, too. If you're Ken Holland, what's your rush? With right? no, with no retention coming back either. But yeah, like you said, if you would have waited one more day, <laughs> this is what just makes this like, okay. I mean, this is why Flames fans are celebrating because what what is the percentage chance that this actually works out? I mean, let's compare this a little bit to the TANF contract coming from last pa- past season. If you're going to compare what you were concerned about TANF's numbers and the contract that TANF received last offseason compared to Duncan Keith's numbers and his contract, how do those two guys compare? Because I know you were, you were really concerned about it. Obviously after one season, you're still kind of concerned with the next three years to have to go on the contract, but you like what you saw last season is he's worth the worth what we paid him. I'm just well, kind of curious if you took the two in a vacuum, if you compared those two. Well, how old is Chris Tanev? 30, 32, turning 32 next year. Duncan yeah. Keith's turning 38. So there you go. There's, there's so one, there's, there's one non-comparable. If you look at Duncan Keith's decline, like into absolute well below replacement status, it starts in about like five years ago when he was like 33, 32. So, I mean, like Chris Tanev was concerning because he's a guy who was very injury prone and coming off a couple tough seasons. But I mean, it's not unheard of for a 31 year old to bounce back and have a good season. I'm it's like, it's absolutely unheard of for a 38 year old, isn't it? To bounce back after like, and again, this isn't like one or two years or even three years of decline. Like, it's not like he's just had a couple of rough seasons. This is like five years of like, this guy's not, he's below replacement as an NHLer. Do you think we'll see, obviously they're going to put him on the power play, right? Oh, you know it. Um, But over who? Because don't they do the, don't they do the four fours with? Well, they were doing it with Tyson Berry, weren't they? Tyson and they, Berry. Also have, they also have Nurse. So, so I guess Nurse will be one. Duncan but they're probably not going to, you probably won't resign Barry now. I don't think so. <laughs> Did they not have any, they probably don't have any money to. 
Would you would you rather have Barry or Keith? Oh, I'd rather have Barry. Like, I mean, let, on, here's a thought. Here's here's something. Like, if if Duncan Keith is an, a UFA right now, how much are you giving him? Oh, he's getting league league minimum probably. Absolutely, league he's getting maximum, league minimum one point two five. I would say maximum if somebody really wanted him. If, if somebody's dying to have him, maybe he's on a million dollars for one year. Most likely, yeah. So, yeah, I'd rather have Tyson Berry. <laughs> no problem. And when what else? If you're if you're looking at the the town of comparable, because I mean that's the that's the closest to home, right? We lived through that. As far as you know, age aside, if you're looking at just their underlyings. I mean, if you're looking at the, the, the past season that Tanev played with Hughes and he really struggled, how do, how is his wins above replacements compared to Duncan Keith over the past two, three seasons? Well, like I said, Duncan Keith has been a below replacement player for like five years. Like there was one year there in 2017, 2018, where he took a dip. Like if he's like in the in the lowest percentile of, of like wins above replacement over the past three years, like the lowest. Like the the one percentile, and, and has he still been um, top pairing D man playing against the toughest competition in Chicago? Yeah. So they're they're not going to utilize him as such, right? But so I he, mean, might, still, he might be a little more sheltered. He'll be sheltered, but I mean, the fact that the Chicago Blackhawks were a markedly better team without Duncan Keith on the ice for the past five years, like, does it even matter? Yeah, And I mean, somebody posted something. I think it was Travis Yost. I know Kent Wilson might have retweeted it, but just showing uh, Duncan Keith's expected goals against uh, various caliber of opponents. Um, yeah, against against first-line op- opponents, it was in the negatives. Against second-line opponents, in the negatives. Against third-line opponents, it's in the negatives. Against fourth-line opponents, it's in the negatives. Wow. H- hasn't really mattered. <laughs> He he's been bad no matter where he's played. And just for reference, like Chris Tanev, again, like he had two rough seasons in Vancouver. He was still above replacement. Okay. Yeah, that's good comparable. So like, man, oh man. She's dude, like I I I don't understand this at all from the other's perspective. Well, again, it's like you said, they're he's straight out flat out said it. This is not an analytics <laughs> Literally, you're you're paying out your ass just for experience. And then that's when did the when did the Blackhawks win the cups? We're talking they like, won one in 2010, 20, over, 2013 and 2014 type thing. Yeah. So you're looking at seven to 10, 11 years ago. That's when this experience is all racked up. I don't know. Um, you can see why Flames fans are excited. You can see whether why this was, there's been such a like you said, weird. It's weird. And my this, my enthusiasm and like laughter and like making fun of the Oilers has been curbed by my genuine like curiosity slash confusion as to why this deal would occur. Yeah, we're sitting here just licking our lips at this because not only did you bring in a below replacement level player to play in your top four on the defensive end, that player, not only did you give up a third and a younger, 
you know, demon that could have actually was 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 Caleb Jones. I mean, he's not great, but he's better than Duncan Keith. He's probably mid. He's probably replacement level. So not only all those things, the things that just makes this so juicy is that you spent so much against the cap to bring him in. Um, like you said, dollars that could have been allocated to actually making your team better. I mean, what was the biggest takeaway from getting swept by the Jets? Was it secondary scoring or was it defense? I mean, or was it goaltending? Like, couldn't you? Right. Like what they need to sign a goalie. Like they're going to sign like what you're going to, they're going to like, again, excitement at being a flames fan here. They're, they're most likely going to re-sign Smith and roll into next season with Smith and Koskinen unless they buy Koskinen out. But, dude, this uh, just puts Kenny Holm, his backup, kind of into a corner as far as what's left on the cap, does it not? Well, dude, it's... How much more cap space is he working with now? Well, they still have some room, but I mean... And the other thing that's kind of weird, just as one quick, because I know Oilers fans, I've seen some Oilers fans trotting this out. So there is, so if Keith retires at the end of this year, so everyone's like, oh, he's probably got a side deal with the, with the Oilers. So if he retires at the end of this season, the Hawks would actually be on the, on the hook for his cap recapture penalty because he signed one of those big deals before the uh, most recent CBA. So you know how like Luongo has that recap that cap recapture thing where the, the the Vancouver Canucks have to pay like three mil every year. So if Keith were to retire at the end of this season, the Hawks would take on his five and a half million dollar cap hit next season and a two million dollar cap hit in the next season in cap recapture penalties. The Oilers would lose that five and a half million next year and actually have a surplus in the next year of three point four million dollars. So there is that thing if Duncan Keith retires, which I don't think anyone's expecting him to do, but just had to mention that because I've seen a lot of Oilers fans throwing that out there. Anyways, the Oilers right now projected have currently $11 million in cap space, according to Cap Friendly. There is a feeling that they are going to use uh, LTIR for Oscar Clefbaum's four-ish million dollars, so they get some relief that way. So... They still have some money to work with, I guess. But I mean, again, you look look at how many holes they have on their team. Yep. So, like right now, you're paying between James Neal, Kyle Turris, Zach Cassian, and Duncan Keith. That's like almost twenty mil. Wow. Mind did you blowing. see? Did you see the comments? I mean, this was making its round too. Uh, the instant Keith, the trade is announced. Uh, Keith is on record talking about how valuable Zach yeah. Cassian is. <laughs> Dude, like what? Like, there's definitely something up in the water in Edmonton. Well, and so, like, somebody what, put what it, is going on? Kareem from the Win Column blog put it beautifully. He said, "The oil Ken Holland's Oilers have traded two second rounders, two third rounders, a fourth rounder, and a fifth rounder." To acquire Andreas Antonisseu, who's no longer with the team, James Neal, Tyler Ennis, Duncan Keith, and Dmitry Kulikov. They recouped one sixth-round pick by trading John Marino, who I don't know if you watch the Penguins very often, is really good to Pittsburgh. And um, I saw that tweet, and Mike Gould actually props to him. Also added, don't forget Mike Green for a fourth. Right, Mike Green, who like retired. 
It's like, I'm not fu- fuck. Fuck this. And Edmonton, fuck it. Yeah. It, again, like, I'm, I'm trying not to, like, my dunking on the Oilers is being neutered by the fact that I'm just blown away that they, that this is the trade they made. It's unreal. So let's hope there's more of the same to come from Ken Holland. Like, yeah. Like what else honestly. can he do? Like, geez, man, extend, like, can he, how soon can he extend Zach Cassie? Watch him extend Duncan Keith or something. Another tweet that I saw, I'm, I forget who wrote this, but it was Ryan Suter, because we'll talk about Ryan Suter and Zach Parise next, but Ryan Suter and Zach Parise were entering the tails of their 13-year contract and they were bought out, whereas Duncan Keith is two years further into the total of his 13-year pact and acquired by another team at full cap hit plus assets. And this guy's saying, I can't lie, I'm really having trouble processing all this. It's just, there's no comparable... To say, yeah, okay, this this deal makes sense. It's well, a this, trade. Yeah, like, okay, here's a good thought experiment. Like, let's say the Flames were trading Mark Giordano this season because they, uh, Duncan Keith and Mark Giordano are the same age, right? Yeah. Like, what would a team give up to give get Mark Giordano during this season? Mark Giordano, who by the end of the season was great. He led the Flames in wins above replacements. <laughs> And just for the record, is an absolute animal. Like you see all these guys falling off cliffs at at their age, and Geo is still going strong, man. It's just it's nuts. But like honestly, like let's say you're let's say you're the who's a team who let's say you're the Oilers. What would you have given up to get Mark Giordano this year? Who has a who has his deal expiring next season? Makes six point seven five million, and is still probably a top twenty five defenseman in the league. Who fucking knows at this point? Connor David? Like, if you're giving up a third and Caleb Jones to take Duncan Keith, like, would anybody, wouldn't people want Mark Giordano's salary retained in a trade? Wouldn't you be like, yeah, man, we can't take that on for a guy who's 37? Like, you probably would have seen it. If Gio was traded this year, really right, retain salary. there probably would have been some sort of salary retention. Like, it just blows my mind. Blows my mind. So the full deal is Duncan Keith plus Tim Soderland, who apparently also sucks. Tim Soderland, um, somebody was tweeting, how it was a player that he had a lot of hope for that he lost all hope for when he failed to get anything going in his two seasons with Rockford. I and, don't even know if he's ever my, cracked the lineup. My favorite thing about this trade is the condition on the pick. So it's, yeah, Keith and Soderland for Caleb Jones and a, 2022 third round pick, which will become a second round pick if Edmonton wins three rounds in 2022. And Keith is amongst the top four in Oilers and ice time during the first three rounds. <laughs> That's got Ken Holland written all over it, eh? You know, he's just like in his office, just like, oh, yeah, it's perfect condition. Yeah. That gets me off the hook. Three rounds. Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Can you fucking beat the Jets one game? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to touch on, Keith, before we jump to the Minnesota boys? No, I mean, honestly, like, what an encouragement for the Flames fans. As, like, as far as the Battle of Alberta being on the, you know, the southern end of it, uh, this is a good day for Flames fans. This is an absolutely beautiful day. Johnny Gaudreau 
Matthew Kachuk going up against Duncan Keith for six or eight games next year is going to be super fun. <laughs> like, how do you, I don't understand. How do you not sign Tyson Berry and still get worse at defense? <laughs> what just makes us even more juicy is Ryan Suter getting bought out the day after. Literally the day after you could have went and signed like, and again, what do you think Ryan Suter could sign for today? Like if you, if you were going to sign him, I mean, max, well, if what is he, what, is I, anybody I, offering him five and a half million? No, no. I'm going to say, I'm going to say max. He's getting three, 3.25 maybe, but uh, look, everybody's going to be interested in Ryan Suter and everybody probably should be. If you're looking for, you know, somebody to play in your bottom, what, Position four to six, even in your second pairing, right? Can you not play second pairing minutes? Oh, dude, I think easily. How old is he? 36. He's he's going to find a new home. Oh, it's yeah, for sure. Take, it's not going to take long, and it's going to be hilarious to compare what he signs for com, and compare that to Duncan T's contract up in Edmonton. Dude, it's going to be absolutely hilarious, and I'm sure somebody will, like, slightly overpay. But well, I mean, the, I don't think he's getting like what's going to happen is he'll probably take like league minimum to go play in Tampa Bay or some shit. Uh, you know that's going to happen. But like somebody's going to sign him to like like I would sign if you're the Flames, I would have no issue going like two and a half per year on like a two year deal. Like literally no issue. He's still a very good offensive defenseman. His defensive game's not there as much, but I mean, you put him on your power play. Come on. Like you, you put that guy and even like even strength, if you look at some of his numbers offensively, like the dude is still a, pr- a pretty, not even pretty serviceable, a very decent NHL defenseman. He plays like he's played a shit ton of minutes and plays against pretty good quality competition. Like he hasn't just been like sheltered sitting there in Minnesota doing nothing. Like he's still been one of their core guys there. So like. He's going to get a deal that's going to be way better than what Duncan Keith's going to get. Let's just hope it's not in Tampa Bay. Yeah, he, yeah I don't think it's going to take long for him to find a new home. But it, no, like you there said, there'll be teams lining up. Fucking hilarious, though, that the Oilers could have just waited one more day. Although, <laughs> I guess then they're. Well, Ryan Suter doesn't have those Stanley Cup rings, man. No Stanley Cups for Ryan Suter. So, Con Smythe. Yeah, can't be metal. paying for that. He can't be paying for that. How about um, you were also interested in, you know, a cheap deal with Zach Parise? Yo, I'd have no problem on a cheap deal with Zach Parise. It sounds like he's going to go to the Islanders. Um, it was rumored that he was going to be traded there in like some big man- monster deal a couple years ago or even last year. Well, like I, Zach Parise, yo, he can still play. Come he's on. Not very, he's not very, very, very though, is he? Oh. He's probably not better than Richie or Nordstrom or Reader Simone. or Lucic or Simone. Ronaldo. Go down yeah. the fucking list, eh? Dude, Zach Parise can still score goals in this league for sure. Like, for sure. I, I would have no issue signing him to a one-year deal. Maybe Kenny Holland will... Uh, he's going to get both of them now, watch. He's going to spend the rest of his money, eh? <laughs> It's funny how they uh, 
they both got their contracts the same day, didn't they? Like, the, didn't they sign together in Minnesota? Yeah, I remember that, like, 20 years ago. It was like, holy shit, those are insane deals. It's so funny it's, kinda, it's funny how these deals never work out, right? Like, everybody never. says on day one, you're like, that's a big mistake. It's like, oh, wait and see. It's like, it never works, ever. So if you're, if you're Connor McDavid. Unless you're works, Connor. Probably works then. But the funny story is... Suter didn't know he was being bought out. He was on the phone with Parise, and Parise was telling him he got bought out, and he was bummed out. And then Suter got a call from Bill Guerin telling him, yeah, you're bought out too. And, you know, here, this- here's another reason to bring Suter back. Like, he could wear his uncle's old number 20. How dope would that be? Do you think he uh, was a Flames fan growing up? I mean, your uncle plays for the Flames. I'm just saying. We got to get Reinhardt, Suter. Somehow get Nylander. Just get the old. Yeah, get the old boys back together. It'd be like the Blue Jays, man. They got all the, the, the you know, the ex-dad's sons now. Well, you know, like, get the boys back. Yeah, number 20's open, Nordstrom left. 20's right there for you, Ryan Suter. So it's fitting that they get bought out the same day as well. I don't, Break this down, Matt. We were oh, just talking geez. about this. Billy Guerin, um, this is a pretty bold move. And... There's a lot of people, you know, that are looking at this being like, dude, what is this guy doing? Let break it down. Just tell me what you, we were just talking about. Well, I can't if you, the when I first heard it, I was like, holy shit, the ball's on this guy. That's probably a good move in the long term, right? But it must have something to do with it's obviously has something to do with Kaprizov, right? Like it's just it's just because Kaprizov is apparently holding out. That's the yeah, report. So what was the latest he turned down? He turned down like nine mil over eight years, like nine mil AAV. Like, what are they going to pay that guy? I guess more than that. So my first thought was like, oh, maybe Minnesota is going to blow it up and like trade everybody because they know Kaprizov's not going to sign there. So they have to like rebuild or something crazy. But I mean, like, honestly, the numbers are staggering. And so if you look, this is what I don't understand. When you have two guys who can actually still kind of play, and specifically in Suter. So here's what they're paying them next year. They get big-time relief next season. So they get almost $10 million, They get just over $10 mil in cap savings next season. But the next season, the dead cap hit is $12.7 million, $12. million. So they still save like $2 million, but both those guys aren't on your team. You're paying $12 million to have two guys not play for you in 22-23. But then in 23-24 and 24-25, both of those years, you're paying $14.7 million in dead cap. Dude. You have almost 15 mil tied up in guys you're paying on buyouts for two straight seasons in two years. That is insane. I mean, this is why you don't sign these massive... Forever contracts, like you said, they don't work out. So I guess, like, if you really want some guy in the in the short term, and now you have to, this is what you're dealing with. So I don't know if they have they they must have some sort of projection and some sort of plan. I don't know if they're just like hoping to God the cap somehow goes up in those two years. Like they must have. I would hope they have some sort of contingency plan, but I mean. Dude, like, I don't know how you can, like, how many, how many times do you hear about how the Leafs, like, oh, you can't be paying 
Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews are combined like what do they make like twenty million, right? You can't be paying twenty million to two guys. You're paying fifteen million. You're paying thirty million dollars over two years to two guys to, who aren't even playing on your team. To, to no one. Like it's no staggering. One. So, yeah. and I don't know how this is going over in Minnesota. Um, I don't know. It's just those. Those three years there where you have where you have 14.7 in dead money. I I don't know how you deal with that. It's kind of bizarre. Like unless they're gonna try and do you think it has anything to do with Eichel? Are they gonna try and sign Eichel? Trade for Eichel with and what money people? though? I don't know. Well, you said they got they, they have, have tons sp- of room coming up this year, unless they just like trade their whole team the next year. So maybe they just try and win the cup in the next two seasons and then they're gonna rebuild. <laughs> I mean that's, that's that's kind of all you can really do. Like they sure have a shit ton of room that just opened up, right? They have like a projected twenty-six million dollars that opened up now. But whew. Yeah, and I mean Elliot Friedman was speculating it has some expansion draft implications, but I mean that is a hefty price to pay if you want to protect Matt Dumba and like Nico Sturm. Like, geez. So, but if you're Billy Guerin, why didn't you call Kenny Holland <laughs> and get him to take Suter? Kenny Holland could he could have gotten them to take both of them, no problem. So I don't know. According to Friedman, he thinks it just comes down to the fact the Wild were going to get bit by this no matter what they did. They just wanted to be able to control it, so they went for it. But geez, man, that seems like a tough. That seems like. I'm going to be really curious to see how they deal with having th- almost $15 million in dead money on their books for, for like three years. They're nuts. I mean, you still could have got serviceable play out of Susan for at least three more seasons. And then Parise at least one or two, even if it's fourth line penalty kill right. with a power play. Like, see the timing of it is what's weird, right? Like just to have to eat that so much dead money for three years just blows my mind. They could did have. He, did Garen have to do it now? He didn't have to do it now, did he? Well, expansion draft is kind of what I think a lot of people are thinking is the impetus for now, right? And Kaprizov, like they've, they've got to figure out a way to get... Maybe they should trade Kaprizov for Eichel. So you're saying that... But they could have just... They didn't have to protect... Or do they have, do they have no... Do they did did Minnesota have to protect those two guys? Yeah, they have no move. They have full no move clauses, so they'd have to protect them. So it sounds like they would have been losing either Dumba or Nico Sturm or a player they really wanted to keep. But I mean, okay, again, so- that is a hefty price to pay for, like to to make sure Matt Dumba's on your team. Like this is a again, Bill Guerin has balls of steel, obviously, because this is like a rippling decade long effect that like this this better work out. Probably if there's no expansion draft, it, it doesn't happen. But it's just that one more one more good reason for him to do it that just kind of probably tip the scales, eh? Yeah, it's and the thing is like I understand the Prize one, but I mean to buy out Suter when he's still a serviceable yeah. guy is just like whew, crazy. So my assumption is they're gonna go absolutely balls to the wall. And then if it doesn't work, they'll rebuild. <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to try to win a cup this year. Because Minnesota has been in 
on Eichel this whole time, have they not? Yeah, and they have the assets to do it. They have guys like Marco Rossi. They have a lot of good prospects. They could do it. Billy Garen, did he win a cup? But I mean, even still, right? Oh, yeah, Bill Garen, Devils, Penguins. We're the Devils. Oh, yeah, yeah. Penguins. Yep. So, I mean, um, maybe he's... Jerome McGinley beat the living shit out of him once. Remember that? Yes, that was epic. Um, But, yeah, like, even... If, but the thing is, like, I know they're a good team, but even if they sign Eichel, are they still like, contending, like, slam dunk? I don't know. I don't think so. Like, maybe. Well, if, if they had Eichel, they'd get past Vegas. Come on. Dude, I don't know. But then they probably lose to the Canadians. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> lose to the Flames or something. Bizarre. This one's this one's not as bizarre as a Keith thing, but it it it, it is odd. I mean, it, factor in it makes this. sense, but it's just like you better hope it works because like those three years where you're paying where you have that dead money is just mind blowing. Like you said, fourteen. You say fourteen million in years three and four. In year two, it's twelve point seven in dead cap space. That's how much does uh, McDavid make? Eleven. Twelve point five. Twelve point five. So that's as much McDavid. as Connor McDavid. You could have a McDavid. Yeah. And then the next two years, it's fourteen point seven for two years straight. <laughs> Holy shit! Eh? That's like Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau. Absolutely, it's less than them right now. Like when they sign their deals, but and for wild. nobody, no one dead cap. So like in year four, yeah, in year five, they start getting some savings. But dude, geez. I don't see how that's gonna work out. Um, especially I don't think the cap's going up that much in, in a in a cap league right now. Like when everything's so tight, to have fifteen for three straight years. It's one thing if it's like two years or like one year, but like three straight years. Of of 12.7, like 13 for all intents and purposes, 13, 15, and 15 is just I don't know how you deal with that as an organization. Do other players does that affect the signing of other players too? Does Caprizov look at that and be like right? Well, maybe, maybe I don't want to sign long long term now. Well, and I mean again, it helps them for this year. They could give him a huge deal this year and say, We'll give you every all your cash right now, but how are you going to sign your players through five years? How are you going to sign anybody to more than like a one or two year deal? Even jeez, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I don't Billy know. Garen's got to have some tricks up his sleeve. Maybe he's looked at all. Maybe he's pulled the uh, Doctor Strange, looked at all future scenarios, and been yep. like, if we don't win the neck of the cup in the next year or two, we're rebuilding anyways. So we're going all in. Maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe he's getting super creative. One last thing I saw on the on the Hawks front because they acquire Caleb Jones, and that's Seth Jones' brother. Yeah, they're pulling the old uh, Freddie Dougie Hamilton trick, eh? The old uh, Mark Michael Stone trick, eh? The old Scott Scott and Rob Niedermeyer trick, eh? Hey, I love how Dougie Hamilton gets like absolutely crushed for like wanting to play with his brother. Like what a loser, what a crybaby. It's like I you know how many times I've heard praise for Scott and Rob Niedermeyer in Anaheim together? Like Yeah, no shit, eh? Jeez. So do you think the Hawks are gonna go after Seth? No. Uh I think they're gonna go after I think they're going after Jones Hard. And this Seth, just Seth, I mean. This just gives him one more. Like, and I mean, and I got I you gotta think that's why 
the Hawks played such hardball with Ken Holland to make sure they didn't retain any salary because it sounds like they're going after somebody big in the offseason. Imagine you swap out Duncan Keith for Seth Jones. Like, and, dude. And hardly pay much more. Dude, like, like what's, what's Seth Jones going to get? Just go. Oh, who knows? A lot, probably, but I mean. Gee, like, I don't even know. I don't even know. But I mean, like, just think of it from an Oilers perspective. How much could you pay Dougie Hamilton? Eight mil, nine mil. Wouldn't you they rather could. have Dougie Hamilton for like two and a half million dollars more than Duncan Keith? <laughs> no, he hasn't won. He hasn't won a Stanley Cup twenty years ago. Forgot about that. We want, they'd rather have that. Wayne Gretzky. He won cups thirty years ago. So yeah, he totally forgot. And then this final comparable you threw up with the wins above replacement because you did a couple comparisons. You know, going along the same lines you are right now with comparing guys like even Hamilton, but you had Ryan Suter compared to Mark Giordano. Mark Giordano has been the better player in the past few seasons, and they've been pretty close, but Mark Giordano has been able to maintain pace. And then you compared Mark Giordano to Duncan Keith, and there's where you see the biggest difference. Duncan Keith literally falls off a cliff. Mark Giordano maintains pace, regresses a bit last year. Yeah, Geo's on something, man. Like it's it, it's honestly unbelievable. And I, there was a, I think it was the seventeenth uh, anniversary of the Flames offering Geo his first NHL contract the other day, and I was just pulling some numbers and stuff. And like it's honestly astounding. Like he is probably the best defenseman of the decade. He leads all players, all defensemen in wins above replacement in that it, since twenty oh seven. Like all defensemen, it's him and Char, the two best defensemen. He's 15th in the entire league in terms of that stat over the past, like since 2007, 2008. Like it's actually remarkable how good Mark Giordano has been. Like, and he did the thing that blew my mind. I went back and looked because somebody said he should have been on Team Canada in 2014. I was like, holy shit, should he ever have been? What a snub. So this is a perfect segue. Do you expose him? It's a it's a more tricky scenario than I think people want. It's a discussion people don't really want to have because you got to realize the Flames want are going to be competitive next year, especially in the Pacific Division, which is going to be dog shit for the most part. They didn't hire Daryl Sutter. They didn't sign Jacob Markstrom. They haven't done all the shit to just like pack it in. And the thing is, Mark Giordano is still good. Like we just said, Duncan Keith has fallen off an absolute cliff over the past year. Mark Giordano had a bit of a tough start last season, but turned it around eventually. He's still one of the best 25 defensemen in the league, for my money, I think. Like pound for pound. We'll see if he drops off at all this season. But regardless, whoever he's he's playing... If he's playing with Tanev, he's probably not going to be dropping off too hard. He's a top four defenseman in the league. Easily. Like okay, a, so this, one of the best top four defensemen in the league. So that's where it's tricky. Is like for the Flames, if you still want to be competitive next year, which you are going to be, how can you reconcile that with exposing Tanev or Geo? Because both of those guys make you better in the immediate. Yep. And I think and... people people are confounding the argument of like, oh, you can't let emotional reasons reasons get in the way of letting geo go it's like no no like that's fine like that's not even the argument 
right? That's not even the talking point. It's like, can you let the actual on ice hockey operations reason get in the get in the way of this? Because if you delete Mark Giordano from this team in a vacuum, you are not a better team. Which also, I got to bring this up again. If if we're having this conversation halfway between this this past season that just yeah passed, for sure for sure then it's a different conversation because Mark Giordano's play his on ice play and on ice analytics while paired with Rasmus Anderson were not very good um, when he switched pairings and played with Tanev now now he's back to his fine form so I don't know also I mean how do you how do you break that down right like does that just mean where, where does he belong on this decor? Can he, can he not play with anybody but Tanev? Is that what it's saying? What, well, what and I, th- I don't even know if it's just Tanev. Like, I don't think he and Rass were a great pair just because their skill sets, because the, the switching with him and Tanev also coincides with Daryl Sutter's system. Right. Yep. So I'm not sure how much of it is actually Tanev can, Geo can only play with Tanev as opposed to it is um, <laughs> Daryl Sutter playing defensively sound hockey. Because if you look at Geo's numbers pre-Sutter to Geo's numbers post-Sutter, it's night and day. Like even something as simple as his possession metrics, before Daryl Sutter took over in his 26 games played, 48.84 percentage Corsi, expected goals for 45.5%. Under Daryl Sutter, Absolute top-notch numbers, 57.2 Corsi for 57.77 expected goals for. So he was great after Daryl Sutter took over. So it's kind of hard to parse out how much of it was just due to him, how much of it was due to the system, how much of it was due to playing with Rasmus Anderson. All I know is that Mark Giordano was way better when Daryl Sutter took over. Okay. Now, if you're looking at the expansion rules, I have a hard time thinking that, that this won't come down to who you can protect on, on defense, unless there's a side deal going on, which probably to me might make the most sense in terms of me predicting what's going to happen. But if we're talking about Mark Giordano and we're talking about who do you expose and you're looking at all these angles, right. In terms of the player he is still and what you're projecting him to be, you also have to look at he's now entering his last year of his, of his contract. Is he not? Yeah. So you have to take that into consideration as well. What does your future with Mark Giordano hold? I don't see Mark Giordano not wanting to re-sign with the Flames once his contract is up, if he's still a Calgary Flame, and they want to do a one- or two-year deal if he's still feeling good. I don't think, because I mean, he's played his whole career. I don't think necessarily he wants to go elsewhere. So the, you might have a little bit of leverage there if you're, if you're Brad, you're living. But what, how much does, how much emphasis can we put on this is the final year of his contract in terms of how you want to approach this expansion draft and who you want to protect? Well, and I think that's what makes it so because here's where it bothers me that the flames have kind of shot themselves in the foot in this manner is that you haven't really left yourself with much other option. It kind of, it echoes my frustration with, with geo still being deemed this team's number one defenseman heading into the season. 
like we said a million times halfway through the season, like we knew, and again, for all me just waxing about how good he was after Gerald Sutter took over, he was absolutely terrible to start the year, like you said. We all knew he was going to fall off at some point, right? You don't stay a Norris-level defenseman forever. And it's like, it always bugged me that Brad never really addressed that, right? Like, he's never really filled out that decor. In fact, he let TJ Brody walk. So he still left the responsibility. That's why I don't even get mad. It's like, you know, when you talk about not getting mad at guys like Brett Ritchie or whatever, it's like, it's the situation they're in that's more frustrating. I wasn't even mad that Gio was bad for a lot of this year because he shouldn't be in that position at 36 years old, right? He shouldn't yeah. be relied upon so heavily at that age, at his, at how many miles are on his body and his contract status. Like he shouldn't be in that situation. So similarly, it's annoying to me that the Flames are in such a bind, like Mark Giordano for as rough a season as he's had was still second best defenseman period. That tells me something about how your team constructed, right? Like if you had another guy around who was like, Oh, thank God he's around. He's going to save our decor. Like if Gio's gone, like let's say he left is left unprotected and moved and you don't have, and he's selected and gone. Are you really confident with your top three defense and being Chris Tanev, Rasmus Anderson, and Noah Hannafin? Because I sure shit am not. That's oh, where that's yeah. Like, are you confident in a decor that's Tanev, Hannafin, Valimaki, Anderson, Stone, Shillington? Would you be okay heading into next season with that? And I mean, they'd probably sign somebody if they lost him. But I'm just getting at the point that the Flames have kind of shot themselves in the foot here by not having somebody who's better than Geo kind of there to take over in his absence, right? It's just, they, they've put themselves in this conundrum of, well, they should expose Geo. For hockey purposes, it makes it difficult. So, because of what you Because lose. he's still, because he's still one of your best defensemen, regardless of everything. He's still so one of your best defensemen. That's just that, like the situation. That's why you shouldn't, but tell us why you should. Well, you should because he has one year left on his deal. And he's 37. Which which also means should Brad Tree Living be looking at getting something in return for Mark Giordano? Well, again, he should have been doing that, you know, maybe last year or the year before, little, but a little too late. Or this this year. A little too late there, Bradley. Um, but the, for me right now, honestly, the reasons to keep Mark Giordano on the team outweigh the reasons to let him go. And yeah. I know I'm probably in the minority you're, there. You're kind of like where Minnesota's at, where you just have to take it one season at a time at this point, because you didn't set yourself up for, to look at it at a larger window. Exactly. Like, again, like let's say the flames and I'm not saying, let's say they had Adam Fox on their team. Let's say, let's say your decor right now is Chris Tanev, Adam Fox, Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hanif and Mark Giordano. Ooh. It's a no brainer. Right, you're exposing Geo and Tanev probably because you got a stud. Right, they don't have somebody who can fill in for Mark Giordano, and maybe they have a contingency plan around that. But based on the behavior of the GM in the past, I'm not so sure. If I'm going to ask you another question here, if if Calgary exposes Geo and there are no side deals, does Seattle take them? I would say yes. Yeah, I would say it's probably a no-brainer slam dunk just because there's literally no risk. I'm sure he's a bit of a cap hit if you're Seattle at 
Yeah, but probably you probably have no issue getting to the floor or getting like with cap. And especially yeah. he's on an expiring deal. There's nothing to lose, like you said. Well, that's the thing. You can turn him around at any point in the season for assets. It's like, what's a way to acquire free assets? Yep. Well, we don't really even care if we make the playoffs this season. We're just trying to build our team. Let's pick up Mark Giordano and turn him into something. I think if Calgary exposes Geo, for sure Seattle will take him. And it kind of sounds like what Seattle is up to anyways is they're looking for, and maybe this is counterintuitive because it sounds like they're looking for like ways to cash in and cap flexibility as like, so like my thought is like, Hey, if you pick a Mark Giordano and then offer him to a team at the deadline for like a first plus at 50% salary retained, you're getting a shit ton back for him. Right. Oh, so yeah. I think they're looking all at all the angles of this. And I mean, I know their analytics department is very robust and very sound. So you look at a player aspect, Geo is still great. Just had pretty good numbers this year, despite a rough start. You look at an asset perspective. He's got, he's got some, he's got some limits on his trade clause, but I mean, that shouldn't be an issue for a guy who's, you know, <laughs> going to be on his last year of his deal. They'll trade him back to the flames at the deadline. <laughs> Brad will give up an arm and a leg to get Geo back, but I think they would select him. I do. Do you think Brad will expose him? Now, I now just before you answer that, I've pulled, I've pulled Sea of Red Twitter. I've I've never had this big of a response. Um, over eighteen hundred votes. But I said you can only protect three D men. Who are you exposing? Geo Tanev, Hannafin, or Anderson? And. I'll tell you the the um, who would you protect before I tell you the. Well, my results. philosophy has always been a little bit different, and I know I'm definitely in the minority on this one. But my philosophy has always been, I wouldn't have an issue. Um, my philosophy has always been, you should have traded Tanev when his values, since his value sky high, and um, then exposed Geo, and they're both off your books possibly. Um, but I mean, my thought kind of is thinking for the future. I know Chris Tanev was absolutely unbelievable this season. I know he helps this team next season, but you're still on the hook. In terms of cap flexibility, if you expose Tanev and he was selective and then Geo is gone, his contract is done next year, that opens up a nice little amount of money the next year. That opens plus, up a sweet like 12 mil in cap room. Plus, if things go sideways again as the Flames, now you can deal with Geo for something at the end of the season. Exactly. So, like, from an asset management point of view, I know everybody's like, yeah, expose Geo, keep Tana. But if you really wanted to go galaxy brain on it, and maybe the best thing to do would be to expose Tanev, and then you have, like I said, like $12 million almost in, in cap space cleared up for the next season. And I know we've said this on a prior podcast, but because I think it's a different situation. If I say to you now, if you expose Tanev with no side deals, does Seattle still pick them? They they probably have they probably think about that a lot longer than they do the Geo situation. They might not even want they might not want to take that risk three more years. Yeah, I would say they probably would just because the like it's low enough number that they could probably handle it for the next three years. But yeah, man, it's really interesting. And it, honestly, I don't really have a clear beat on what the Flames are going to do. 
I can't imagine. If I had to guess, I would say they expose Geo, but do a side deal to protect him. That would be my best guess. If you want to keep both Geo and Tanev, and you're doing no side deals, you probably have a better shot at Seattle picking somebody else if you expose Tanev, because I think for sure they're picking Geo. They may go a different direction if it's if it's Tanev available. Just because, look, you said it's a low number, but it's still. He's at 4.5 for three years. And I mean, the thing is, Seattle, it sounds like, and this is me speculating, they're kind of looking at like cap flexibility as an asset, right? Right, right. So So they they might go a different direction, but I think I'm on the same boat as you. I think Brad's working on a side deal. Yeah, like I, I just don't see any way around it, just knowing how the Flames have operated and like, I could be totally proven wrong. It's either that's my first guess or they just exposed Geo outright is my second guess. Now, here's the other stipulation, and we didn't really understand this until a couple of days ago, but Seattle could take a free someone off the free agency list from the team. So that's another stipulation that, that maybe they go a different route. So this is how this works. They're coming for Mike Stone, baby. Well, they're, probably, they're coming for Zach Ronaldo. <laughs> so each team has to have their projection list finalized by July 17th, and they will be public, right? You confirmed? Yeah, the, like they will be public, and I'm pretty sure they'll be uh, available simultaneously <laughs> with the release date, so we, we should know by this weekend. We should know by this weekend what Brad Schilling has chosen to do here. And once teams have their protection lists finalized, um, there's going to be a window from July 18th to 21 that Seattle has negotiation rights with the free agents on each team if they have not been signed yet. So, for instance, who do we have? Uh, I think the only guy who would be worth would be of interest, like and like I said, Buddy uh, Stone, guys like that, uh, Buddy Robinson, Ronaldo, Petrovic, Nordstrom, all Nordstrom's in the KHL, I guess. But the only guy that I could really leave, oh, the only guy I could think of was Derek Ryan. Um, yeah. This being like a, a Washington guy. If they signed Derek Ryan um, within the July 18th to 21 window, that would be their selection from the Flames. That yeah. was the only possible scenario I could conceive of. If you're looking at the UFA lists, on the Calgary Flames, yeah. Either him or Josh Levo, but I think Josh Levo is just too close to that replacement level that they wouldn't waste a yeah, selection like, on him. You could probably sign him later anyways. So Yeah. But even Derek Ryan, if 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 you're Seattle, you give given the choice, you're probably gonna go Oh, you can sign Derek Ryan in the offseason, probably. So yeah. So you're, you're, you're going to go where you're getting the most value, right? Yeah. Just and on the you, back end. Again, you're not going to be passing up. Like, again, for all the talk about how Geo's struggle in Tanev, like those are two of the probably the best possible available players from any team in terms of what they are at, at their position. So. so there's that little stipulation. Like you said, Ryan's kind of the only thing that, that would make sense. But my, my only thought, just another little conspiracy theory was I was just thinking, I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about possible trades. My only other thought was like, I wonder if Brad, but then you'd have to consider the player coming back. You'd probably have to protect if you were getting a forward, then maybe you'd expose somebody like Backlund. My only thought was like, because we have heard the flames have shopped Hannafin in the past. 
he was reported reportedly involved in a deal with the New Jersey Devils a couple years ago. My only other like conspiratorial thought was like, hey, maybe Brad would do a trade for a forward involving Noah Hannafin, protect Geo Ten Rasmus, protect this new forward and expose Backlund. But that's probably me just being totally uh, hockey armchair GM crazy mode. But I had the thought the other day, right? Which makes sense if you're a GM and you're already seeing it with Billy Guerin. I mean, we didn't mention this, but the reverse is true for Kenny Hall, and now he has to protect Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, every no matter which way you slice it, it just keeps getting sweeter, the Keith deal, right? But for Billy Guerin, obviously, right, the expansion draft probably took a was, – was a big part of the decision in terms of buying these guys out now. Yeah. So maybe – I'm sure Brad's at least thought about it. Not oh, who knows with him. Not saying that he's going to do it, but – it could be a very shrewd move to, like you said, finally fulfill that top six hole that you have. Well, and I know somebody was like, oh, if, why if you, why did you guys want Arvidsson? You just have to protect him and lose like Dubé or Mangiapane anyways. Well, I mean, you would have, would anybody really have an issue exposing Backlund? Like, I mean, he's still good, but he still makes a shit ton of money for a long time. And would... Would Seattle want Backlund at that at that price tag? Like that's a high price tag. And then the other retort is like, well, they're probably going to end up trading Monahan anyways, from all reports. Like, you're going to use a protection slot on a guy you were going to trade anyways. All I was saying was there was there was some uh, there was some there were some chances to make some shrewd moves, and you had other GMs with you had some leverage on some other guys. You could have made some stuff happen. Michael Backlund's at 5.335 for the next yeah, three years. Three years. See, I, he's, I still, he's still fine, but that's a it's going to be pricey in a couple. He's years. still fine, but if you're Seattle, I don't think you're you're jumping for joy that that Michael Backlund's available. Hey, maybe and, they're just going to take Lucic. He's got a cup. If it's Kenny Holland, he's taking Lucic. Eh? Maybe Ron Francis is of the Ken Holland. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Kenny Holland's selection? Can you imagine if Ken Holland was in charge of Seattle? He's just like, <laughs> it's, it's like the oldest team in NHL history. Oh, it'd be amazing. It's <laughs> like Duncan Keith, Keith Seabrook, James Neal. Lucic. Yeah, it's like oh, Seabrook Lucic. is like, oh, he doesn't even play anymore, Ken. You can't even select him. Brings all these guys out of retirement. Nick Lidstrom, Chris Chelios. So... What do you think is going to happen? Well, like I said, number what's, one, what's, I, I, what's your, uh, given everything that we've gone through, what, what do you think will happen? I think there's going to be a side deal. Yeah. That's pretty much the speculation and what my gut feeling is. I don't think he's going to make a trade before, before the fact. No, I although, think although the first two days of this week have been pretty juicy in terms of what's gone down, but still. Knowing how Brad operates, which is take forever on everything. Um, Hang on I, to everything until it's yeah, too late. Until it's too late, until the value is gone. My number one guess, they make a side deal to leave Geo unprotected but not selected. And my number two guess is they leave Geo unprotected outright. Okay. I think I am in a complete agreement. Unless they now. do the exact opposite with Tanev and expose Tanev and make a side deal just so as to not to offend Mark Giordano. 
Yeah, those are kind of like the, the three options I think I agree with. Like honestly, like I would, I would on. I feel like maybe it'll happen, but I still have to see it to believe it for the Flames to outright expose Mark Giordano. And then I'm gonna say if there's a side deal that involves uh, Oliver Shillington. Yeah, for sure. Like they'll say, "Hey, we'll give you Shillington to take Derek Ryan." Because in the past, we've also looked at Shillington as a pot- uh, possible. Uh, pick player pick from Seattle, but given the situation with you know having the availability to, to potentially pick up Mark Giordano or Tanev, yeah, I, I Shillington is most likely part of a side deal, I think. Yeah, okay, well, we'll set to see how it plays out. Um, the do you, would you want to touch any past drafts? Well, I was just, it's funny because I kind of didn't realize there was, for some reason I thought, I guess I'm just not old enough to kind of remember the expansion drafts of the past. So I was like, I wonder who the Flames protected back in the day because there was those, there was the uh, 98 expansion draft, the 99 expansion draft, and the 2000 expansion draft. And it's fucking hilarious to look at the, the teams were so bad. The rules were a little different back then. Yeah, uh, you 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 could protect way more players, but like, okay, so in the 1998 expansion draft, so this would have been for the team who would become the uh, I think it was the national the, yeah, Na- the national predators were the 98 expansion draft. So yeah. the Flames goaltender they uh, protected Ken Reggett. Kenny, <laughs> yeah, Kenny. On D, they're protecting Tommy Albaline, Jamie Allison, Sammy Hellenis. Kale Hulse. Kale. Todd Simpson. Those are all the young guns, man. For all of you people who want to know like why there's a certain generation who hate Blasty, that's why. <laughs> See Todd Simpson. Kale Hulse. Up front, the Flames protected Val Bore. Love Val nice. Bore. Andrew Castles. Yes. Who the fuck is Neil Zekman? Don't know Don't who know. that is. Theo is still on the team. Ladislav Kohn, Marty McKinnis, Mike Nylander, Dave Roche, Corey Stillman, and Jason Weimer. Dude, Stillman and Nylander, beauties. And it's funny because I'm looking at like who the teams at the time who were like good protected. It's like Detroit is protecting like Chris Draper, Sergey Fedorov, D- Brendan Shanahan, Stevie Y. It's just like, oh my lord, we were so bad. So the the selection the. Uh, the Nashville Predators selected Joel Bouchard that year from the Flames. Who is Joel Bouchard? I don't know. Now, do you know, can you see on whatever you're looking at, did they get anybody good from elsewhere? Well, I mean, dude, do you remember how bad those those uh, those like initial expansion teams were? Like, did Legwand? Well, he, he must have. Legwand been- was a draft pick. Okay. The best player I can see that the Predators got was like Thomas Vokun from the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, yeah. He was their starter for forever, eh? Well, like half these guys I don't even know. Like who? Ally Afraidy apparently was selected. That seems weird. Where'd they get Langkel from? The Flames? No. Uh, didn't he used to be in Nashville? I think he was in Philly and then he went to Phoenix. But shit, these are some rough teams. Thomas Vokun is probably their best player. I could probably list all these players and you wouldn't know who they are. Man, we're going so far back now. Everything's blurry. 1990. Ally Afraidy? I thought he was like Yeah, ancient. like 
he he is. There's no way he ever played a game for the Predators. Like literally, no way. That sounds insane to me. Is there anybody on that expansion uh, list that year that jumps off the page for you? No, Thomas Vokun. That's it. That's it. And then the next one's even worse. The Thrashers one is brutal. So they ultimately selected Ed Ward from the Calgary Flames. Who is that? Ed Ward. You don't remember Ed Ward? That's like the best name ever. Ed Who's Ed Ward? Edward Ward. Ed Ward. Come the on, Flames man. had some funny protections in this one, too. He was a big, tall guy, Ed Ward. Like, I honestly can't believe these were players who played for the Flames back then. Like, you look at the, the, the avalanche of protecting, like, Adam Foote. And Peter Forsberg and Stefan Yell and Joe Sackick. The Flames are protecting Rene Corbet and oh. Nat Domichelli, Andre Nazarov, Clark Dude. Wilm. That's a rough one. And then in the 2000 draft, so this was the split Minnesota-Columbus draft. I love how, just as a side note, I love how this whole character... <laughs> you know, culture of like, oh yeah, you go into Calgary, you know, it's going to be a rough, tough game. Like that's because we've never had any skill. What other choice do these guys have? You don't have to continue that culture when you start getting skill. Remember when Brian Burke came in, he's like, we like hockey in Alberta. We like it black and blue. It's like, no, Brian, we like winning. That's what we like. We like to win. We like not sucking. And then apparently the, the, the Minnesota wild member, Sergei Krivo Krasov, no, I don't. <laughs> they selected him from the Flames, and the Blue Jackets selected Philippe Kuba. So that's a fun trip down memory lane. Kuba, and just I remember Philippe. And in the 2017, this is what's funny to me is like it's so weird how at the time you like think guys are so good, right? Like the Flames in 2017. Here's their protection list at forward. The seven forwards they protected. So obviously Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau, but. Michael Furland, Sam Bennett, Kurt Lazar, Michael <laughs> Froelich were all protected. Isn't that seem wow. nuts? Wow. And your goaltender protected that year, Mike Smith. Crazy, eh? Mike Smith. Crazy how things change in just a span of, what, what four years? Three seasons, I guess. Nuts. Oh. Why do we suck still? So going through all this, my biggest takeaway is when we talked about this earlier, tree living's probably very interested in, in uh, Ryan Suter. I would imagine. He's in on everything. Now I'm also interested in Ryan Suter, but I do not want to overpay for Ryan Suter. So that's where I get worried with tree living, but True living is the master of recruitment. You think he's already on the horn with his connections in Calgary. That's what I'm saying. Gary Suter is probably on the phone right now. Like Brad true living sent me a lifetime membership to Boston pizza. Get your ass to Calgary nephew. Yeah. But when he does that, he makes the guy sign an NDA. So Ryan will not know that Gary has the lifetime. <laughs> Boston Pizza Supply, and that's part of the impetus. For He'll the just call. think it's a total unsolicited endorsement exactly. of Calgary. Boston Pizza membership non-withstanding. Tree is a sneaky bitch. Yeah. Anyways, come on. Like, can you re recruit someone like we want for once? 
Send Jerome Maybe. again. It's like, again, like with Lindholm, it's like, tell him to be like, where's Pedersen? Like get Lindholm to tell Pedersen to come here or like get Jerome again. Let it go. Like who's good and bought. Like, why doesn't Jerome go to, he played in Boston. Why doesn't he go to say to like David Krejci to come here? So your dates coming up, everything is going to happen in a whirlwind here, man. It's, it's gonna be nuts, quick. dude. It's going to be absolutely wild. And you know what? This is awesome so far. Like, geez, yeah, the this first is wild first real day has just been nuts. And a lot of people are saying this the whole summer could be like this. Oh, dude, I how could how could it not be? So much going on, dude. Okay, so projection lists are due July seventeenth. The actual expansion draft is the twenty first the upcoming Wednesday followed by the entry draft 23rd, 24th, that same weekend followed by free agency on the following Wednesday on the 28th. So buckle up for the next two and a half weeks because (laughs) if if the last two days have been any indication, um, it should be really interesting. Okay, let's jump to this final segment. I We did this a little while ago with free agents, top free agents. Here's some top um, players who could be moved slash traded coming from Sportsnet. I just ripped this off the internet. I want you to give me a, we're a rapid fire, so give me a quick where you think what is most likely, that they'll stay, that they'll end up on a team like blank, or they're actually a great fit for the Flames. Okay? I love it. All right, obviously, number one, Jack Heichel. Well, he's getting traded for sure. Yep. Don't see him coming to the Flames. I think he's going to be in somewhere weird like Vegas. Okay. Uh, Sam Reinhardt. I think he's getting traded. I would love for the Flames to be in on it because I think he'd be a great fit here. Um, Ultimately, I think he'll go somewhere else, though. Because, I mean, what do the Flames really have to offer that Buffalo would want? Right. Okay. Johnny and Monty are both on, the, on that list. Do you want to touch those guys? I can't. I still think there's way too much uh, smoke around Johnny resigning here. Yep. And again, we like. We didn't, we didn't mention this. Oh, yeah. But this also came out. I mean, we've been so distracted with everything else. But Elliot has reported that. Johnny and his camp are actually quite pissed off with the rumors that he wants out of Calgary. Literally, he says, Elliot says he's pissed. He does not like these rumors. They're not true. Well, and I mean, if you've kind of been like paying attention on Twitter or anywhere, the Gaudreaux's don't like have not are very unhappy. Like you've seen his sister clap back dipshit McGee. And I, and I think Johnny and his family I personally think that they personally trace a lot of this back to one individual, which Absolutely. we don't even need to say his name, Eric Francis, because everybody fucking knows already. But let me ask you this. If Johnny Gaudreau does resign, how much of how how much of that decision can we thank Eric Francis for? <laughs> Because Johnny's going to sign out of spite. I think so. I honestly think it's kind of like the whole Chucky scenario when everybody was like, yeah, you don't have to fight Cassin. You don't have to fight him. The more people told him that, the more he wanted to fight him. 
I think this is a situation is the more that Francis spews this shit and other people take it and run with it and it starts to, you know, get spread around the league because Francis going all these other podcasts and shit. I think the more that happens, Johnny, deep down, is just like the more that happens, the more he wants to stay. <laughs> I honestly do. <laughs> I totally agree. And I mean, like, he he is he's I think he is a guy who that stuff would bug him. And obviously totally. it does. So I, I like he there was a, there was an incident where he was caught on a hot mic this year, Johnny talking about Francis. Um he knows. Johnny knows. Do you know what Johnny said? He said something to the fact of like Francis uh Francis never says anything when we're winning or he never has any questions when we're winning. <laughs> I didn't hear that, man. Remember we were trying to track it down. We couldn't find yeah, yeah. the clip anywhere. I didn't yeah. realize it was Johnny. Yeah, it was Johnny. Yeah. You know what? The whole team, it was pretty visible watching their responses from the head coach. Obviously he's, he's, he's not just throwing out gestures. You know, you're not reading body language with Daryl. He's literally saying, some guys don't want us to believe, win. Hard to believe. What kind of question is that? <laughs> but yeah, I like, again, even if you look at the premise of the Flames want to win next year, trading Johnny Goudreau doesn't, doesn't fit into that plan. Um, well, even if, yeah, I, yeah. Sign him to a, a decent deal. You can always trade him down the road. You can trade him down the road for sure. Like to me, that's a no brainer. If you're Brad Tree living and you don't, if you're not able to extend him this, this off season, when he is probably more interested than ever. Yeah. than he has been the last five years, at least you got to get it done. Yeah. And I've never bought the argument that it's like, it needs to be done right now. Like if you really wanted to make that argument, it should have been done like two years ago or last year. But Eric said, so <laughs> Like it's kind of past that point of like, yeah, you're gonna get great value back anyways. So but Eric said that's oh, what Eric said. Yeah, he's right. Okay, Sean Monahan. I mean, there's a decent amount of rumors around him. I wouldn't be surprised to see. I honestly it's like it's it's like I said with Geo being exposed with Bradshaw Living, I still have to uh, see it before I believe it. Because this is the guy who continually says, believe in this group, nothing's changing, boop a doop a doop. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Sean Monaghan move, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see him not moved. There's been rumors of Monaghan ties with Columbus in the past. What 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 of this? Sean Monaghan with a package of Noah Hannafin for um, Patrick Liney and I mean, I'd, else. I'd be all over that, but maybe a pick or something like because then you don't have to. Columbus does that. Is the only then, you, then you don't have to expose if you're if you're for Calgary, but yeah, I'd be all over that, but I can't see. Uh, can't see Columbus being super excited to get their prize sniper who their coach pretty much just quit. Like, you know, they're, they're probably going to try to mend the fence with, with line a for sure. Yeah. All right. Evgeny Kuznetsov. I don't think the flames are touching him with a 10 foot pole. He's going to get moved. Um, I don't know. I I don't know where, but yeah, he'll go somewhere and be really good. Colorado. Yeah. Okay, Morgan Riley. I don't think the Leafs are moving him unless they make a significant play for Dougie Hamilton. The thing with Morgan Riley is 
what other defensemen like say what you want about the guy, he's still giving you great value at his at his uh, at his salary. Yep. So I don't think I I don't think so. Nate Schmidt sounds like he wants out of Vancouver. I don't blame him. And it sounds like the Canucks are trying to get like OEL get or something. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so I think he will be traded. Do you think he'd be good fit in Calgary? Yeah, I'd like him in Calgary. So he's a uh, oh dude, four point nine five mil. That's where it gets for, tricky for four years. That's where it gets tricky. Plus he's twenty nine, and yeah. he wasn't very good this year. On that deal, I don't like him in Calgary. Yeah, I I like the player. If the Flames were to acquire him for a uh, a very low uh, set of assets. I wouldn't mind it, but it's not something I'm like banging on Jim Spenning's door for. Here's one that interests me. Although the cap hit is at 4.725 or three, Kevin LeBanc from the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, see, I've been a big LeBanc guy for a while, but he kind of. But last season. He kind of had a rough year, didn't he? But he was on the Sharks. I would 100 million percent be in on Kevin LeBanc if I'm Bradshaw. That period. End of story. 55 games played last season, 12 goals, 16 assists. He's, he's definitely one on my list. He's an absolute. Now's the now's the chance to buy him. He's 25 years old, perfect age. Yeah, I he's 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 a perfect fit. He's like an under the radar should, perfect fit. Yeah, you should be able to get him for. Yeah, like if you're if you're gonna get him last year, maybe not this year. You should be able to get him for not like a King's ransom. Like I'd be all over that. Here's a guy that it sounds like has already been part of Calgary rumors. I heard, I haven't seen it, but Nolan Patrick from the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, he's has such a hard injury. They, his injuries have been terrible. Like I, I think they'll, I think Philly will try to move him just for his sake, even at this point, but I don't see him as a fit in, in Calgary. Rough season, fifty-two games played, four goals, five assists. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys. Just concussions, injuries, so bad. Like it's a shame. All right, Seth Jones. Um, I think he will get traded. I don't want the Flames to trade for him because he's not very good. Um, it sounds like it sounds like the Blackhawks are making a push for him, like I said, and like maybe somewhere weird like Philly or something. But uh, I think he will get moved. I do not want the Flames trading for him. All right, obviously somebody's gonna overpay, like somebody's gonna give up a ridiculous amount for Seth Jones and work right. We've talked to this guy, and maybe this is where Noah Hannafin comes in as a trade chip. You gotta do you gotta whatever shrewdness you have to do again. We we mentioned it pulling your old ties to Arizona, Connor Garland. Get him yesterday. Get him yesterday. I don't know why Arizona is supposedly trying to move this guy. Like, why don't they just sign him? He's great. He's basically Manji Pony. I bet he goes to like somewhere like Toronto or something. Fuck. All right, Phil Kessel. Yo, if Phil wasn't on that deal, I would. It'd be hilarious to see him play. He's gonna flame. six point eight with one year left. I could so. see somebody. I you know what? I could see that happening. I know he's been he's been he was terrible last year and he had twenty goals last year. Did he really? No 20, way. In fifty six games played, he had twenty goals and twenty three oh assists. In Phoenix. That's hilarious. Or I guess Arizona. A team that doesn't score many goals. What if, so if, if Geo does get selected, do you go hard for <laughs> No, <Phil>? no, no. 
<laughs> no, please no, Brad. Please no. All right, Darcy Kemper, four point five million. Well, I left. mean, you should have done. No, Jacob Markstrom's making a money boatload for eternity. So where where is Darcy going? I mean, he would have been a perfect fit in Edmonton, but still might be. Still might be, but now they got to squeeze him. In. Dude, no, let's not even speak that into any sort of existence, please. Sorry. Oliver Ekman Larson. Like, dude, I'm telling you, my worst Back fear. Vancouver, baby. Please, Van, please, Jim Benning, before keep Brad from doing these mistakes. This is what we've been saying is like, hey, we're dunking on the Oilers and Ken Hahn right now, but it's like, watch Brad like one of up him next week somehow. It's like my worst fear that they're going to expose and lose Geo and then immediately trade for Oliver Ekman Larson as his oh replacement. Boy. Like that seems like way too perfect a storm for Brad Shea Living. So I hope Jim Benning goes balls to the wall and gets this guy. The only thing that's kind of saving the flames is that OEL does have a no trade clause. And it sounds like he's pretty specific in where he wants to go. Dougie Hamilton. Um, I haven't heard much on the Dougie front. Like, I mean, I think any team would be crazy to not try to acquire him. He sounds like he might be a fit in Toronto. I don't know. Like I could see him, you know, where I could see him going is somewhere like, uh, somewhere kind of low key, but also not like, what if he goes to the Rangers or something? I don't know. He's an interesting one. He's not going to Calgary though. This name has also been tied with Calgary. I believe Ricardo kill. He's got one year remaining at 3.78 mil. I mean, sure, I'd like him, but like, what are the Ducks asking for? Well, no. so one, one year remaining. I don't know if they're going to ask a lot. The Ducks are going in a different direction. He's kind of a guy who like might be slightly overrated at this point. It's like a couple of years ago, I would have been maybe higher on him. Like, he fills the, he fills the needs of the Flames, right? Right hand shot scores, but I think you could probably do better. Jacob Voracek. I mean, Philly. Three, sat- years, three years left, 8.25 mil. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be tough for any team. I don't no know one, how you. No one, I, no one wants that. I don't know how you move him, even though he's probably still got some decent hockey hey, left. Hey, Kenny Holland. He'll figure it out. Dude, he will. No, because Voracek hasn't won the cup. You forget. All right. All right. Patrick Liney is still on this list. I don't know. I feel like Columbus is going to keep him. Yeah, you already kind of answered that. Ristolainen. <laughs> this is a guy that literally nobody wants, eh? Except Bradtree Living. Right. Um, I will flip my shit if Bradtree Living trades for Rasmus Ristolainen. He's, he's going to go somewhere, though. He's a big boy. Bunts out of Buffalo. He's a perfect... You know what? He's a perfect Edmonton Oiler. Perfect Edmonton Oiler. Okay, here's this ne- next guy. Um, I can see Brad being all over this Jake DeBrusque. Yeah, that sounds like the kind of guy Brad would make a trade for and like trade to. It sounds like he, like, I could see Brad trading one of our better players for Jake DeBrusque. Yep. Can you? He had, he had a great season, what, two, year, two years yeah. ago, was great in the playoffs, but he scored five goals last year. Great in perfect, the playoffs. Overrated. fit for Brad. Probably, eh? probably okay in, on like a third line role, maybe on a second line role on a good team, but like the Flames would trade for him, give up way too much for him, put him in a role where he shouldn't be like way too high up the lineup. That sounds like a Brad move for sure. Vladdy Tarasenko. Well, it sounds like he's goner for sure because he's asked for a trade. 
somebody's going to be taking on a lot of risk, man. But I mean, he's still a good goal scorer. Yeah, if he's if he's healthy, he can score goals. Again, these seven point five mil though. Here's what's seven. funny to me is everybody's complaining about these about Tampa being eighteen mil over the cap. I guarantee if half these NHL GMs like. If they could go 18 over a million over the cap, they'd spend it on guys like Duncan Keith. Yeah. And the ghost of Vladimir Tarasenko. So he'd, he'd be a Gibbs? good he'd be a good fit somewhere like the island or something. I feel like John Gibson's on this list. I feel like they should have traded six, him like two years ago. Six years remaining. Watch I, Edmonton go for watch Edmonton go and get him, man. I wouldn't I honestly wouldn't mind. Six years more, bring it on Edmonton. Hey, this guy just uh, was in some rumors today, Nick Letty. Yeah, I mean, I can't like, what are you doing, Edmonton? Like, Nick Letty's like, what, six years younger than Duncan Keith and better? What are you doing? He's got one year left. He's cheaper. Hasn't won a cup yet. Oh, shit, I forgot. Okay, last guy and last guy for me on actual my list in terms of Brad, I think should be picking up the phone is Tyler Bertuzzi. He seems like another guy, kind of like Jake DeBrusque, who Brad would like pay too much for just because of like the big boy tough stuff. But I mean, he's a pretty decent player. I would not mind having him on the Flames, but I wouldn't trade. I can you imagine what Stevie Y would do to Brad? Dude, don't even again. Don't let's not even mention it. Let's not even speak anything to remotely. <laughs> he would Jedi mind trick Brad so hard. Oh, dude. Like Stevie Y would be getting free Boston pizza for eternity. They do a little Caesars Boston pizza trade, something like that, except somehow Manjapani and a first would be going the other way too. All right. That's it. There's your news. Um, Duncan Keith, the, the bright spot of the, of the, of the week so far. And there's your expansion recap in terms of what we think might happen. And um, it's going to be exciting to see. We might have to, to record oh, yeah, again. we might have to have an emergency re- recording, man. Yeah, depending on who is exposed uh, this weekend. Stay tuned.